0: Okay, today is week three of a seven-week value series which we're teaching through. And for some of us, we've been through this like 10 times. And for some of us, you've never been a part of a church that just laid out like, here are the most important things. Like the, the most valuable, like hills that we die on drive everything we do as a church. And hopefully those same values drive everything we do away from church when we're at home, as a family, as a man or a woman. When you come to my house, I point to these values and I say, that's why we do that at my house. So when you come to Flatirons, we can point to these values and say, that's why we do this at, at, at Flatirons. Your old church might've done it different. This is what we do here, here at Flatirons. Jesus said that if we'll take what he said was true and put it into practice, not just believe it, but put it into practice, we'll be like people who build their house on a rock. and When the storms of life hit, our lives won't fall apart. So that's what we're running after. And we're using the 23rd Psalm, probably the most famous chapter in the whole Bible as an outline or a map of one place in the Bible where you can find all seven values in just one little chapter of the Bible written by this shepherd boy named David. So part, part of what we're trying to do is we're trying to, to not just know God's word, but we're also trying to, to hide it in our hearts, um, and that means memorize it. Um, so I'm not very good at memorizing, so if I have to memorize this, you do too, all right? And, and, and here's what's good about memorizing God's word. You'll memorize this. Our, our goal is by the end of, the, of this series, you have the 23rd Psalm memorized, and you might not need it this week, but if you file it away, God has this ability to bring it back at just the right time. Um, So I asked my staff to to memorize the 23rd Psalm and and, uh, one of our worship staff, uh, she, she hates it as much as I do, but so she started memorizing the 23rd Psalm and the next day she got a phone call that one of her best friends was killed in a car wreck and so she's driving down through Denver. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leaves me, he'll take care of me through the valley of the shadow of death. And she says, that's how I was able to go and put my arms around my friends and that's how we made it through that week and so we're going to memorize this so here it is all right on the screen let's just all say it out loud together here we go one two three the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want he makes me lie down in green pastures he leads me beside still waters he restores my soul okay got it all right so let's see all right so we're going to leave some words out and let's see if you can do it you can do this, all right. Somebody's just gonna fake it. I know you. I, I have a great view, all right. So here we go. One, two, three. The Lord is my. I shall not. He makes me. in he leads me beside. He restores. That wasn't bad, okay? You got it? Okay. No words. No help from me. It's just you, okay? Somebody gonna go banana, 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 banana. Right, right, right. One, two, three. Here we go. The Lord. He leads me, B-side. That was very average. That was really average, all right? Now, so, so we'll, we'll get that, all right? And we're gonna continue that today. But here's what, what we have learned, how all this means, how it applies to the values of this church and to our lives. David says, the Lord is my shepherd and he will lead me. Value number one is called biblical authority. We believe that the Bible is God's word. It's how he speaks to us and will show us a better way to live if we're willing to adjust our lives to what he says is right. We don't ask him to adjust himself to us. We, 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 we follow him, all right? He says, the, the Lord will restore my soul. That's value number two, relational intimacy. We looked at last week. We believe that no matter what you've done, and here's all, all the things come up in our heads, but, but I've done this a lot, 27 times I've done that. I, I blew this up five times, whatever, it, it's covered. No matter what you've done, it's still possible to live in an intimate relationship with God, only made possible by grace through faith and what Jesus did for you on a cross, that, those are the, the two leading values, and the, and the other five values all, all come, out, come out of that. Jesus restores our soul, all right? The essence of who we are when he created us, but the connection is back to God is not just a spiritual one with spiritual effects and eternal spiritual rewards. It certainly includes that. And most of us, that's all we think about when we, I'm connected to God spiritually, and then after I die, I'll go, I'll go live with him. It certainly includes that. But because, because we are connected with him spiritually, it makes a difference in this life. And that's what I want to look at, at, at today. He, we reconnected with him spiritually, it makes a difference in this life. We looked at a word last week, the word was, he saves me, and the Greek word for that is sozo, means he rescues me on two different levels. A spiritual level of condemnation, but also a physical level, he puts the parts of my life back together. L- listen to this verse, it comes from a little book of the Bible, I bet you didn't read this week, the book of Joel. Anybody read Joel this week? I did, anyway, but anyway, so, so anyway, this is what God promises he will do to a person when they return to him, and you know what that means. I was living my life, and then I start paying attention to God again, and I, and I walk back towards him. This is what Joel writes about, about what God says. He says, I will, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, and I love that, all right, what the locust has eaten, that's a metaphor, a comparison to a farmer going out and looking at his field, and it's gone, it's destroyed, all these grasshoppers and locusts came in and, and, and they destroyed, they stole everything that his family was depending on. God says it's the same way with me though. Come back to me and what sin and bad choices and bad habits, things that you've done wrong in your past, things that other people have done wrong to you, kind of knocked over dominoes years ago in your life and then that led to a bad thing and another bad thing and another bad thing and it ripped you off. He says, listen, you come back to me and I'll, I'll restore. I'm not gonna replace everything, I'm gonna restore what you lost, what got eaten up. And here's how. Here's how he restores my soul spiritually by grace through faith, and what God is willing to do in my life, in this life, connect with this next value. I wanna teach you something that some of you, you know, as Christians, maybe you knew that a long time ago and you forgot, but but if you're brand new to this whole Christian stuff, really lean into this because this is gonna clear some stuff up and I really want you to hold on to this. Let me remind you of something we tend to forget. When a person, this is what we've been talking about the last two weeks, when a person puts their faith in Jesus, I believe he died on a cross, took away my sins, I'm leaning my life against that, all right, in the moment that you do that, that moment that you say, I believe, you are as saved as you're ever going to be. In that moment, all right, it's, it's, it, it happens. It's an event. When you put your faith in Jesus, you are as saved as any or every other Christian who's ever said, "I believe that Jesus is the Christ," as well. All right, you, if you, if you know, you came in here, you're not saved. You come in here you go, "You know, I actually believe it. I, I, I believe in Jesus now." You're as saved as I am. And I've been saved since like I was like eight, all right? You're as saved as I am. You're as saved as Billy Graham. You're as saved as all, all the good guys. All right? you're, you're, you're as saved as those guys who wrote the Bible. You're as sa- Listen, you put your faith in Jesus today, you're as saved as you're ever gonna be. You're as loved as you're ever gonna be, and you have as much grace as you're ever gonna need. You are saved and connected to God in a moment. And the, the best comparison I have to that is like, it's like when, when you had a baby, the moment you had that baby, that was your son or daughter, they they were they're your family. They weren't like kind of human. They they were all in, right, right? It wasn't like, hey, we'll see how it works out and see if she works out in the next five years, then we'll call her daughter. Right? No. You brought her home and, and that that's she's mine. She's complete. Jesus says when you're born or born again, you're you're completely in my family. You're absolutely my son or daughter. You are permanently connected to me. It's done. I like the way Jesus said it. It is finished. When you put your faith in Jesus, there's no condemnation. It is gone and it's not coming back. And this is what a lot of people say, well, what if I mess up next week? Let me tell you what, you will. Condemnation is not coming back, it's finished. It happened in a moment, you're saved in a moment, but, there's a big but, all right, but that, that doesn't mean that in that moment all your old thoughts just went away, did they? or all your old memories, or all your habits that, that you've been doing for the last 20 years, all your behaviors, all your go-to responses. When anybody pulled your trigger or pushed your buttons, and this is the way you always kind of responded, all that didn't change or disappear just because you became a Christian. You brought it with you. You brought it with you, all right? You came as you were to Jesus, and he loves you, and he forgives you, and he restores your soul back to God. He looks at you and says, you're a new creation, but even though you're a new creation, all you know is what the old creation's been doing for the last 20 years. That's all you know. All the old muscle memories that you've always done. The big difference now is that, and we looked at this last week, sin used to be your master. You were chained to it. It owned you. And then the blood of Christ broke those chains and now it's actually possible to become a different person. But it's gonna be a journey and it's gonna take a lot of hard work to line up how you live and act with who Jesus says that you are now. Look look at this. This is a way to kind of wrap all that up. Just because you are saved doesn't mean that you know how or what it looks like to live saved. Right? Because you've never been saved before. This is all new territory for a lot of us, and that's going to take some time. And that's how all all this leads into this next verse in Psalm 23, and and this next value that this church is is built upon. All right? So let's go back to Psalm 23 and let's look at this next next value. It says this, we just looked at this last week He restores my soul, He connects me back to God. And then, then look at the next thing the Lord does for David and for us He restores my soul, and then He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake and let's break that down first of all it says that he leads me what's that mean leaders go first he's I'll go first watch, watch, watch me all right that, that's what he does I'll show you what it looks like to, to walk toward what God says is right and then I'll come back with you and I'll do it with you that, that's the theme of this whole series he's with me Jesus never looks at you and goes I saved you I'm, I'm done figure the rest out Good luck figuring out how to be a good man or a good woman or, or live living the right life. Jesus never says that. He says, "Okay, I restored you. I connect you back to my Father. Now come, come, follow me. Walk with me, and I'll show you the way. I'll show you the path. What path? He leads me in paths of righteousness. And righteousness is another church word that you've heard a lot all, all your life. Just think this, all right? What God says is right, true, and good. He'll lead me there. I'm not very good at getting there all by myself uh, he'll show me how to get there and, the, and, and go back to last week we look at this word sin and it's an archery term meaning I shot an arrow at a bullseye and that's a metaphor for my life and the, and the bullseye was God's perfect plan for my life and I did my best I tried to be a good man try to be a good husband good father whatever it is that you're trying to to follow God in and I did my best I'm in a way down here and from from God's perfect plan for my life to here that 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 is sin you know what the world normally does today? This this is how most of us respond to I missed the target. We just move the target down there and go, I'm good. I just have a new definition of good. All right, so God says this is what it means to be a good husband, and I landed over here. Well, I disagree with God, so this is a good husband or a good man or or whatever that is. I I just changed the definition of good. But the problem is not with the target. I I heard this saying years ago, bullets don't lie. Arrows don't lie. They only go where they are pointed. And I took my shot and I fell short, or I missed the target, or I was aiming at the wrong target. But now that I'm saved, now because of grace, I'm forgiven for my bad shot. And from now on, for the rest of my life, Jesus is going to show me how to get my arrow back on target. I'm saved. I'm forgiven. The rest of my life is, is putting my life back on target. And the, the, if you grew up in church, the Bible word for that is called sanctification. Wow, all right, right, write that down, right? Meaning this, the process of matching up how I live with what and who God already declares me to be by grace through faith in Jesus, all right? That's sanctification. The rest of my life is getting my life back on the bullseye. I'm forgiven until it happens, right? Before, if I miss the mark, uh, the wages of that was death. Now I'm covered by grace. It's not permission to keep on just shooting my arrow anywhere I want, it doesn't matter. It keeps condemnation off my back until I get my life on target. Does that make sense? And all this is made possible, the rest of that verse goes like this, for the sake of his name or, or made possible because of the name of Jesus. All, all this is possible, grace, forgiveness, you know, God helping me get my life back on target is made possible because, because of Jesus. He saved me and salvation is an event. You could get saved today. You could have your condemnation removed in this moment and it will never, ever come back. That is an event. But a changed life, that's a journey and it's going to take some time and some hard work. Now, you gotta pay attention to that because when I say it's gonna take some time, I'm not talking about being saved. That didn't take time. That could happen right now. And when I say it's gonna take some hard work, I'm not talking about working hard to become saved or to get rid of our sin or, or to stay saved. No, the hard work, Jesus has already done that for us. It is finished. I'm saying that now that I am saved and now that you are saved and I'm covered by grace, it's time to get to work. And it's gonna be hard becoming the person I was created to be and learning new things and unlearning old things. That stand in the way of me becoming the man God wanted me to be, and that's our third value. It includes the word apprenticeship, and apprenticeship, you know, just like the video, simply means this, the process whereby one person becomes more like another person. Like my, my crew, they all wanna be like me. I get it, all right? <laughs> the canon alone, is great, all right? But, but in this, and, and when we're talking about intentional apprenticeship, intentional means this, is that I have a strategy, a plan to, to pull something off, and apprenticeship means, simply means this, I, I wanna become more like Jesus. I wanna become more like the kind of person Jesus is. Jesus said, this is what it looks like to live out in the flesh what is right, true, and good. So a value statement, our third value around here goes like this, intentional apprenticeship is through apprenticeship, becoming like another person, Jesus, we believe it is possible to become the same kind of person that Jesus is by working hard to align your life with God's love and truth and identifying and eliminating any automatic responses that come up in you. That, that, that stand in the way of, of God's intentions for you. And that's really, really wordy, and I'm gonna explain that. You know, I, I think a lot of churches, I've been in church all my life, a lot of you've been in church all your life, or you know, a lot of different church history in your, in, in your life, but I, I think a lot of churches do a pretty good job, Not not all churches, but I think a lot of churches do a pretty good job at pointing people towards what God said is true. I think you can find those a lot of places, all right? God says that's, right, God says that's best, God says that's true. I think there's a lot of churches that do that, but, but when it comes to talking about or addressing questions that come up inside of us, like, why can't I believe that's true? It's hard to find a church that really wants to lean into that, right? Most of us grew up, if we grew up in a church, you know, we, we just kind of got this shoved down, down our throats. Jesus said that, now believe it and go do it. And when the response comes back, I can't. I have a hard time believing that's true. I think it might be true for her, but I I don't know if that will work for me. The response from most churches or church leaders is, then there's something wrong with you. You must not have enough faith, which, uh, uh, all right, maybe I don't, maybe I don't, but that's not really, really helpful. Even if I wanna believe that what Jesus said was true about himself and about me, sometimes I just can't get there. Anybody can relate to that? You wanna believe it's true, Does that mean I'm not a good Christian or even a Christian, right? If I can't believe everything in the Bible, everything that God says is true about himself or about me, does that mean I'm not really saved? I've actually heard that taught before. If you have any doubts at all, you're not really a Christian. And I I don't believe it means that at all. I, I, I believe it means this. Even though I am saved, when I was connected to Jesus or when you were connected to Jesus, you brought a lot of stuff with you. Right When you bumped into Jesus and, and he forgave you, you brought a lot of stuff with you. And Here's what I mean by stuff. Experiences, memories, wounds, shadows, beliefs, definitions, habits. Or let's just call it baggage. When we bumped into Jesus and he saved us, we brought a lot of baggage with us. A lot of junk with us, all right? And it doesn't just all magically disappear when, when we become believers, become Christians, all right? Even if we wanted to. But God meets us wherever we are and starts there. And he's willing to, to, to walk this path with us And and, and take away or break down everything that's holding us back. An intentional apprenticeship is signing up to start a journey with Jesus towards a path towards what He says is right and good and better—a life where you become the same kind of person that Jesus is, responding like Jesus would do. Remember, remember those bracelets that everybody wore a few years ago—the WWJD? What would Jesus do? That's a lot of pressure. Right? I I can't do that. You know, what would Jesus do? My dad had cancer. My dad passed away from cancer about four years ago. What would Jesus do if his dad had cancer? I don't know. Heal him. I don't know how to do that. Anybody? All right. Or if if Jesus was out in a boat in a storm and came up, what would Jesus do? Walk on water? Anybody? Anybody know how to do that? I don't know how to do that. So I want to become the same kind of person Jesus is if Jesus had my life. If Jesus was married to Robin... If Jesus had these kids, if Jesus had this job, if Jesus had these responsibilities, if Jesus had these choices on, on, before him, how would Jesus respond? I want to be that kind of person, and, and then I, 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 want to, I, want to, I want to run towards that. And then when I run into things and, and I get stuck, I'm willing to do the hard work to break that down so I can become the same kind of person Jesus is. Now, over, over the last two years, we've had six retreats, All right. About 3,000 of you went on this retreat. It's called Royal. We held it up at a Young Life camp up in the, in the mountains. We, we spent uh, an entire weekend looking at the idea that God created us to be this kind of man or this kind of woman. God has entrusted us with people to take care of our kingdoms, whatever, to, to provide for them and protect us. And we all want to be that man or woman. We all want to be that kind of husband or wife or mom or dad. or We, want, we just want to be that kind of, kind, kind of person. We want to see ourselves the way God sees us. The problem is we all have baggage. We all have stuff standing in the way of us becoming that kind of, kind of man or, or a woman. And on the retreat, we called it, we all have a burden. And, and all, we, all weekend long, we carry around a rock. Some of you remember that, right? And it's kind of symbolizing all the baggage that I carry with me from my past. And we all have baggage. And the key verse that we focused on, it was from an answer that Jesus gave when he was asked, Jesus, what's the most important commandment in the whole Bible? And I've taught on this a lot because it's really, really, really important. Jesus answered that question like this. The most important is this. Hear, o Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall, let's just say this next part out loud together. Here we go, one, two, three. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Now, so as as we were unpacking that, we spent a whole weekend unpacking that, all right? The question came up, why didn't Jesus just say, just, just love God, love people. That's it. The whole Bible can be summed up in that. Love God and love people. And I've seen that on bumper stickers and, and there's nothing wrong with saying it that way. I've seen it on T-shirts. But Jesus, when he was asked that question, Jesus quoted what God told Moses. When God told Moses, this is the greatest thing, you have to remember, why did God, and then why did Jesus go to all the trouble of breaking it down into very specific pieces? He didn't just go, just love God. He broke it down. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Why, why, why do you get so specific? And here's why, Jesus knows, he knows us really, really well. He knows that a person exists on many different levels. We are made up of a lot of different parts and we tend to operate disjointed. And Jesus knows that if any part that makes you up you, all of you, if any one of those parts is missing or it's broken or it's too strong or not strong enough, that person's life, or the way we look at it is this, you have a kingdom in front of you. Sovereign God has entrusted you with part of your, your, his kingdom and says, take care of it. And if, and if you're not working all together on the inside, you're not able to run your kingdom well because something's broken. See, we didn't come up with this. Jesus knows the phrases like, I'm falling apart. You ever felt like that? I, I, my life is falling apart or I'm falling to pieces. Has anybody ever told you this? You need to get your crap together. Anybody told you that? That's a spiritual statement. All right, it really is. What you're saying is all the parts of your life, until they come back together, or we allow Jesus to restore them back together, nothing works right. In other words, you're saved, you're just a mess. I'm saved, if I die today, I'm going to heaven. My marriage probably ain't gonna make it through the year though. I still have a lot of old habits, and they didn't just disappear because I'm saved. So on the retreat, they, they got to experience my artwork. And you got to, that's why you you came back. Because you're like, I hope he draws pictures again. You're welcome. I will. All right. So, all right. So this is, I'm going to kind of go off notes. I don't know how long. We'll be here till lunch. All right. So, all right. So, so, so here's what, and th- this is the time when you, you get out your pen and paper. And if you're a better artist than me, you're not. But go ahead and try this. And, and this is really, really Remember, I'm going to connect some dots in your life to kind of go. I never thought of it like that and why Jesus said that and why it looks at my, my life and my dad's life and my mom's life and my kid's life and you're going to connect some dots and you're going to realize why you have the life that you have. All right, so let's go back to the beginning. And this is all reviewed from last week. In the beginning, God, here he is. He's got a Roman feet and that's a scepter. That's not a magic wand. I got that little girl emailed me, okay? All right? So, all right, so that's God, all right? And in the beginning, God, holy God, all right, he created us, all right? Male and female, he created us, all right? And he looked at it and says, it's very, very good. It's very good. So when he created you know, the, the people, it, it was great. They, he, God was whole, here all years old, the Lord your God is one, he has his stuff together, and Adam had his stuff together, and Eve had her stuff together, and they were connected to, to God, and she was connected to God, and they had this awesome marriage, they were connected to one another. And then what happens uh, every time, Every time in our life, because all of us have done this, a point where God says, follow me on this path. And we look back at God and go, no, no, right? We, we say, I'm gonna take this part of my kingdom. You can have most of my life, God, but I'm gonna take part of my kingdom, I'm gonna take it, so if this is God's kingdom, all right, I'm gonna take my kingdom, this part of my life, and I'm gonna put it out here. And she says the same thing. I, God, I know that you said I can trust you. But I, don't, I don't know if I can trust you in this part of my life. So I, I went out here. And what happened, that's called sin, all right? And what happens is, is that everything falls apart. First of all, Adam blew apart, Eve blew apart, right? The parts of their life that were all connected at one time, just, right? He became this insecure, domineering, you know, shameful, naked, hiding man. She became this person going, I don't know where I get my value, my worth from anymore. She started looking for love in all the wrong places. Does that sound familiar anybody? All right, all right? So she blew apart. It blew up their relationship with God, all right? It blew up their relationship. So they had the best marriage ever. It lasted a chapter and a half, that's not a long time, all right, right? So their marriage blew up. They blew up. God didn't. He's fine. They're just a long way off. And when I say that his life fell apart, I mean the inside of his life. The inside of my life, when I when I rebelled against God, it broke apart. And what used to work in unity, now is kind of competing. It's all it's all it's all messed up. And Jesus re- realizes the parts of our life that blew up. What? Well, how about this? My heart, my soul, my mind and my strength, these are the four parts of my life. And when they're all working together, life is good. Life is good. When, when, when your heart is connected to your soul and your soul is connected to your mind and when your strength is connected to all of it, it's good, your, your, your kingdom is working great. Now, here I'm, I'm gonna use a metaphor here, okay? Because I like a lot of movies and a lot of books and stuff like that. I like all those like knights and adventures and Lord of the Rings stuff and all, all that kind of stuff. But if you think about all the best books, all the best movies, all the things that you like, all right? Maybe, maybe you're addicted to like uh, Game of Thrones, maybe, maybe that. I don't know if you should watch that. I do, but anyway, but anyway, all right, so, but, but all these King Arthur things, all this, it's all the same story. It's a version of the same story. Somebody goes on an adventure, leaves home, goes on an adventure to fight a, a dragon, to, 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 to rescue somebody, to, to, to accomplish something. Out there, all hope looks lost. Then there's a rescue and a big battle. It changes them forever, and then they come back different. Think about all, all the major you know, books and, and movies and trilogies, all that kind of, it's all the same thing. So I'm going to use a metaphor to kind of show, because we're using this thing of a sovereign God has entrusted you with a kingdom. I mean, God, God has given you a life and it says, I'm a, you run it. And if everything's working good, it's going to work well. So, so here's the metaphor, go with it as far as you can. And then don't, don't, don't go, don't believe it if you don't want to. All right, but you are a king or you're a queen. And you have a life, all right? And let's let heart and king and queen, let's represent let that all that God has entrusted to you, all right? Sovereign God has entrusted you with a family, God is a marriage, a relationship, kids, sexuality, a body, whatever that is, God says, this is yours, take good care of it, run it, all right? And, 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 and that, that is good. And when it's working great, you have joy and you have peace. And peace simply means this, as it should be. When everything's working great, and your life is good, and your kingdom's running well, you have joy, you, you just have joy, all right? So the king, all right, is, is your heart. Soul, we looked at the soul. Soul is, um, it's, it's, it's lover, okay? Every great story has a lover. Uh, and what I mean, your soul is, is, is who you are. It's the image of God in you. It's the image that you see in other people. It assigns value to yourself. As God sees you, you, you look at other people and you go, I, I, I see God in you. I see value in you, all right? I don't know you. I, I'm a different color than you. I'm a different race than you, whatever. But you have the image of God in you too, right? Everybody understand that? And, uh, they, they, so, so this is this kind of, this is me. You don't have to believe this, but I'm right. All right, but uh, have you ever been like standing in a line or, or sitting in traffic or something like that and you feel like somebody else is looking at you and then you go, and they, look, they whoa, all right? You caught them looking at you, all right? Well, why is that? I can't prove that, but I believe that you're a spiritual being and I believe that they're a spiritual being and sometimes when they get close enough, you just know. I, you don't have to believe that, but I'm right. Okay, so anyway, but lover, lover assigns value to people and says, "This is this is what God wants for you. This is what God doesn't want for you." And I, I, because I love you, I want the same things. Mine would be this: uh, a magi. Now, don't get freaked out of that. Magi is like the wise men who came and saw Jesus. They're really smart people. They're trying to figure out all the facts. They want to know truth so they can make a wise decision. So if if your mind is really focused on what God says is true, you're gonna make really, really, really wise decisions. Does that make sense? All right? Then you have strength. Every good, every good story has a warrior. Warrior gets things done, right? Warrior warrior is what gets gets things done. Uh, Warrior is, um, I'll I'll give you an example. So about a year and a half ago, I was studying uh, Apache culture, all right, and kind of laying it beside Christianity and seeing the the, the similarities and differences. And, And one of the statements this Apache teacher said was the difference between a warrior and a soldier is a warrior fights for his village, fights for his family, fights for his kids. A soldier fights against an enemy, and so I went to my friend, Matt, who's a Marine. And I said, Matt, is that true? Are you a soldier or a warrior? And he started to answer me. And went, whoa, whoa, so before you answer, here's why I'm asking that, Matt. Because when you were in Iraq and you were in a firefight, you didn't care about Saddam Hussein or the price of oil or politics. It wasn't even on your mind. All you knew, the bullets were flying. And then your friend, Steve, came over the berm. He says, I've got your back and we'll get out of here together. He was fighting for Steve and Steve was fighting for Matt. You were fighting for your brother to get home. And he went, yeah, I'm a warrior. A warrior fights for, a soldier fights against. Does that make sense? Now, when all this is working together, life is good. Right, so you're, you're a king or you're a queen, you have a court that you go to because you have to make a decision. So let's just, let's put yourself in this, all right? So God has entrusted you with something, all right? A relationship, kids, a husband, a boyfriend, girlfriend, what, whatever that is, okay, and that they're in front of you. And now you have to, you, you make a, a value statement about them. They're God's daughter, they're God's son, whatever that is, they, they have value, they have the image of God, and because of that, I want the same things for, that God wants for them, all right? And then you go to the mind, I need to make a good decision about them. What is it that they need and what can I do? I make a good decision, And then I warrior up. I warrior up. Now, I'll I'll give you a really, really practical one, okay? I'm a mom or a dad, and God doesn't trust me with a family, all right? I love my family with all my heart, and I want to make sure they have what they need and what God wants them to have, so I make a decision. I probably need to get a job, right? Warrior gets me out of bed in the morning, even when I don't want to. Does that make sense? So there's sometimes when you go, you know, I love my kids. I just don't want to feed them today. Right, right, right. But, but then you go, you know what? But Sovereign God doesn't trust me with them. I'll make a good decision because I love them. I'm a warrior up and I'll go do what, what's really, really hard to do. Now that's a, that's a really easy one, okay. Let me give you another one. So I'm a man. All right, fill in the blank, if whatever your situation is. All right, so, so I'm a man, and I'm married to my wife, Robin, and I love her, and I promised her I'd stay with her and be faithful to her until death does us part. I want what God wants for her. I want to protect her from anything that could take away anything that God has in, my, in mind for her, all right? Now, here's the problem. There's this other woman. This Is hypothetical? Don't email me, all right? So there's this other woman, and she has made it very, very, very clear that, you know, you know I'm over here. You have options, and I'm looking over there going, but what would that do to Robin? And what is it about her? I have to look at her and go, she's, a, she's an image bearer of God as well. She's not, she's not mine. She belongs to somebody else. She's God's daughter. She's somebody else's wife, whatever that is. And I want what God wants for her. So what am I gonna do? What am I gonna do based on what God says is true and right? Well, if I hold on to God's truth with my mind, I'm gonna warrior up and I'm gonna go home. I'm gonna go home alone. I, I may have to chew the upholstery off my truck, but I'm gonna go home alone because I love my wife and I actually love her and I'm just not gonna do that to her. I'm gonna make a good decision I'm gonna wear up. Now, all this is working great unless sin's in my life. And what's sin do? It blows it all up. See, when, when, you're, when you're a king or a queen you actually believe that the Lord is your shepherd, you're gonna lean on him. But if you're not sure God's gonna show up and take care of you, Then you then you you become a bad king or a bad queen. You become a tyrant. Some of us had that as a dad, right? Working out all his stuff on us. Or maybe he was just a fearful, and he left. I, I I don't know what to do. So he just ran away. He was a bad king. Right or, or how about this, you go over here, lover is the definition of who I am, all right? So, so if, you're, if, the, if the lover part of you is broken, it doesn't matter what God said, you believe something different about yourself. What do you mean? Well, God says that I can trust him. My wife says I could trust her too and she, she betrayed me. I don't trust anybody anymore. God says I'm important and then I'm strong, all right? Then why did that man hold me down and beat me and, and rape me and molest me over and over and over again? I, I must not be that important. I must be worth nothing so I don't have much value. Or, or how about this? I'm really, really angry because I can't get what I want done and I have to blame somebody, but I can't blame her or I can't blame him because they're an image bearer of God. So I, I have to rename them. I can blame another race for all my problems. I can blame another sex for all my problems. I can blame another religion for all my problems. But what I'm just trying to do is I'm broken... I'm trying to blame somebody for my problem. Now, I have to go back here and I go, now what am I gonna do? What, what am I gonna do? I, I gotta make a decision. But somebody's going, uh, Jeremiah said this. He says, I have a heart of stone. He's a prophet in the Bible. And God, if I have a heart of stone, probably, there's probably a reason he had a heart of stone. There's probably why, a reason why some of you have a heart of stone. You had to harden up because your heart got broken. Right? And you, you had to be tough up because you wouldn't have survived and you're in survival mode. And Jeremiah says, I have a heart of stone and I want a better heart. I need a heart of flesh so I need to replace my heart. David says, I need you to search my heart, oh God, and, 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 and fill it with something good, Clean, cleanse my heart. Because right now the overflow of my heart, the only thing that comes out is something bad. So some of us, you know, we look at I'm broken inside. Our minds go, oh, I'm, I'm going to protect myself because nobody's going to do that to me again. And we become a manipulator. Anybody ever had a mom or dad as a manipulator? Trying to get their way, whatever that is? All right. Or maybe they're so locked up, they're indecisive. I can't make a decision at all. Some of us have people in our life going, I, 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 I don't do whatever you want. And they're all locked up. And then, because we, we, we are all broken inside, we go over here and warrior becomes this, this bully. Right? No one's going to do that to me again. They treated me like I was weak. You know what I'm going to do? I'm, I'm going to beat up everybody in my life, and there's bodies laying everywhere. They said I wasn't important. I'll show them. I'll become this great athlete or I'll become this great businessman. I'll run over everybody and I'll, and, I'll, and I'll beat up anybody that gets in my way. Some of us, I got beat up by a bully king. And then we wonder why life's not working over and over and over again. We're broken. We're broken. We're trying to be a good king. Our lover's broken. We don't know what truth is anymore and so it's all coming out sideways. Does that sound familiar to anybody's life? Now listen to this, okay? I'm not talking about being saved. I'm not you're saved, you're just a mess, right? Does that sound familiar? You're, you're saved, if you, listen, if, if I, this is my life, all right? If, if, if I died in the middle of all this mess, I'm still saved, I'm going to heaven. But my marriage is not gonna make it. And my, my son and daughter probably aren't gonna love me, or they're gonna love me, but they just can't be around me because I'm a broken man. Does that, does that make sense? It just it explains so, so, so very much. It's, I'm not talking about are you saved or not, you are. You're connected to God by grace and faith. But now that you're restored into a relational intimacy with God, why are we still stuck? And that explains a lot. There's part of me that's still broken. I was on a retreat with two other men uh, that I go on a retreat with every, every year. And finally, I have some language that finally came together that explains why I still struggle with the same things. It goes like this. While we are saved, there are parts of my life that haven't been healed. That make sense? I'm forgiven. There's part of me that's still broken. I'm still stuck, or I'm still addicted to holding on to beliefs and definitions that are very different than what God says is true. I read them in the Bible, I hear Jim and Scott teach about it, all that kind of stuff, and I don't want to hold on to those old things, but I can't let go of them. And the intentional apprenticeship is a process of identifying what God is really like, what He says is true about Himself and about me, then taking all that and laying it beside this mess, letting go of this, and holding on to what God says is true. And that's going to take a, that's a journey, right? So what does that look like for you? What is the journey for, for you? Well, you know what? You're already on it. You're already on it. What do you, what do you mean? You coming in here and sitting in here today or listening to this online or listening to my voice or Scott's voice, the podcast, all that, that, that that's part of it. You know, I, I've, I've never met anybody. I, I really can't remember. In the lobby or in a restaurant or a ballgame, when someone stops me and, and he says, hey, I go to Flatirons. I've never met anybody who says, you know, hey, you're that pastor, right? Uh, about a year ago, I came to Flatirons. One time, you you, you, taught one, you gave one talk, changed my life, changed my marriage. One talk, I'm, I'm great. Everything's great. All my problems went away. I've never met that person. I, and I, I think I speak for Scott. He's, he's never had that person. Nobody's coming here and one, in one shot, everything changed. What I do here is more like this. So I've, I've been going to Flatiron for like six months or a year. And my life's changing. And I, I don't know when it happened or what series it was in or what talk it was. But my wife says I'm a different man. My kids say that I'm, I'm different. I'm, I'm getting better. So just keep coming. Keep, keep learning about what God says is true, true about you intentionally, all right? We, we had a devotion before church, and, and, our, and, our, and our, our Michael Hendricks, who oversees spiritual formation here at our church, he says, at my house, you know, we have an intentional strategy. On Saturday night, when we go to church, we don't look at each other on Saturday afternoon and go, is, are we going to church today? No, it's just, it's just settled. We have an intentional plan on Saturday or on Sunday, we, we go to church. Unless we're on vacation or somebody's in the hospital, we go to church. It's intentional, So that's a good place to start. If you're coming, keep on, keep coming. Keep coming. I don't know when your life's gonna change. It's it's a process, all right? But learning what God says is true is, is a good place to start. But along the way, you're gonna get stuck. I wanna believe it's true, but I can't. What do you do then? Take a look at this. Something that I've heard is true about me from God, but it's hard for me to believe, is that I'm enough, that I matter. So it's hard to believe all those things when people made fun of you and had no friends. If God really liked me, why would my parents get divorced? If God really liked me, why would my son have type 1 diabetes? There's So many reasons why it was hard for me to understand why does God like me if all these bad things keep happening to me. So one of the things that I have struggled with believing is that I'm worth it, that I am worth fighting for. Growing up, I always just wanted that person um, in my life that would just stand up for me. And I never felt like it ever happened. A lot of voices from my past, actual voices, soon became inside voices telling me I can't do that because I'm, I'm not a, a strong person. It's really hard for me to believe that it was true that God protects me because I would work so hard to take care of everything that He's entrusted me to take care of, but yet why wasn't He protecting me from the people that weren't content with what I was doing or accomplishing in my life? When I was younger, my dad had a drug addiction, and he went to jail. So in that, he was in and out of my life a lot. Um, And so I never really felt like me just being me was enough to keep him around, because for a while he chose his addiction over me and our family. My focus in the apprenticeship work was that God does not like me. I don't experience that. I don't experience that joy, that knowing that God really likes me, and he's uh, so in love with me. I feel like in the women's weekend, I could see the crack open in my heart. And in the apprenticeship, that crack was filled with gold. So I went to Crucible about a year and a half ago. And for the first time, the truth I believe about myself is that I'm accepted. Through some of the work that I did at Soul Beauty, I learned that I am. I am worth it. I am worth fighting for. And that God is right there with me. I think what I know is true about me now is that like, I am good just the way I am. That he created me for a purpose, that I matter, that I'm enough, that I'm a good man, a really good man. I don't have to worry about what happens tomorrow. Uh, God's God, He's going to be there for me. He's, he's going to continue to guide me uh, where I need to be. I no longer hold on to what isn't true. I hold on to what is true. I hold on to what he's told me. You are not the things that you thought you were or other people have told you that you are. You are what I've made you to be. So the more you're in God's word, the more you're going to find out he makes these promises, makes these statements about this is true, but then you get stuck. And even if you listen to some of those men and women, you're going, I want, I want to believe that. How do I believe that's true for me? I want, in our remaining minutes here, I want to throw out just a couple of resources that are available to you. Take a picture of them, get online. All this is available online on our website. You can sign up for any of these things. The first one uh, happens here at Lafayette campus uh, every Friday night. It's called Shift. Shift is, is not just about chemical addiction and, and, and taking the steps, programs and stuff like that. It includes all that. But it's all about all kinds of dysfunction in our life where we are just stuck. Let me tell you why I like Shift so much. And a lot of you go to Shift, all right? Is, um, at Shift, you can sneak in the back and go, don't talk to me, and then sneak out before it's over. You back row people, you like that, okay? All right, right? So you know what I'm talking about. It's like, I don't want anybody to tell me what to do. I don't want anybody to say, hold hands with somebody and cry. I, I'm, no, I'm, I'm gonna leave, all right? At Shift, you can come, you can sit in the back, you can check it out, and then you can go deeper as as quickly or as, as slowly as you want to do. So, so show up every Friday night or the next Friday night here here at the Lafayette campus at Shift and just start looking at some of the, the broken parts of your life. The other thing we, we push all the time is our basic training book. It's a great first step on that journey. It's the basics of what Jesus taught. If you're new to the whole Jesus thing or the Christian thing or the Flatiron thing, whatever that is, and you want to know just the basics of it, it's a 30-day kind of walk, walk through the very basics of, 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 the, of the faith. Here, let me talk about a couple other things. One is intentional apprenticeship. We just started this course here, and you have to sign up for it, and it, and it fills up. So, so I, would, I would sign up for this afternoon on, on our website. It's a five-week course, and it starts here at the Lafayette campus in two weeks. And up at West, uh, go out to the lobby, and they'll tell you when it starts out there and down, downtown. We go out to the lobby, and they'll tell you where, where you can plug in to one of these intentional apprenticeship trainings. But, but let me tell you what's going to happen there. You're going to walk in there on the first week, and you're going to look at four things that God says is true about you. God likes you. God protects you. God has a plan for your life. And God treasures you. And you're gonna look at the one going, I I believe three of them, that fourth one, I don't believe. Based on what happened in my life, I don't believe he protects me. Or I don't believe he has a plan for my life. And you're gonna spend the next five weeks, you know, sometimes in the classroom, sometimes out walking by yourself, all right? And you're gonna get to the root of why that is. So sign up for that. Get online. This afternoon, sign up for that, and, and you can be, I think it's cut off, and when it's full, we'll, we'll start another one, all right? The other one uh, is, is kind of new to Flat Energy, and you heard me talk about Crucible Retreat. I went on a Crucible Retreat two and a half years ago, and some of you, every time I mention Crucible, you go, here he goes again. Yep, that's right, because it changed parts of my life. All right, and I'll explain that. All right, since, since two and a half years ago when I went on Crucible Retreat down in Texas, between three and 400 men from Flatirons have attended one of those retreats somewhere in, in, the, in the country, and last year we launched the woman's version of this called Soul Beauty, and close to 100 women have attended that, and we're trying to expand that because there's waiting lists for all of those things. Get online and you can find out more about both of those things. Now, let me, let me talk about it. Crucible is important, all right, but it didn't change my life. If you're thinking, can I go on a retreat and it'll fix me, no. There is no retreat that good, all right? It's just no, no. It didn't fix me. It it gave me tools and language to keep me from being ambushed by the same old fear, shame, and insecurity that have capped my life since I was a kid. I've been a Christian since I was eight, but I'm stuck. Anybody feel like that? And here's the best way. I was like, I'm doing fine. I believe I'm saved. I believe I'm forgiven, all that kind of stuff. And I believe that, okay, I don't have to deal with that anymore. I I don't don't have to worry about it anymore. And then somebody will pull my trigger or push my button or some memory will come back and it all comes flooding back. And the the best metaphor I have for that is it's like I'm walking down a path, Oh, I like to watch animal shows, I'm walking down a path and this anaconda jumps out from the bushes and wraps itself around me and I can't breathe anymore, it owns me. You ever feel like that? You're saved, you believe, you love Jesus, all that kind of stuff and you can't get past this. So I went on this crucible retreat, God and I, listen, I didn't have to have a conversation with God. I, God and I were fine. I'm forgiven. If I died, I would go to heaven. I teach grace and truth. I think I teach grace and truth pretty well. You know, but here's the thing is I just couldn't accept it for myself. And so I had a conversation, not with God. I had a conversation with myself. I looked myself in the eye and I let myself off the mat for my past. Do you need to do that? I look, I look at myself in the eyes, kind of a process they, they, they helped me do this with, but I looked myself in the eye and just looked at me, and I, I looked at myself and I went, hey, you did the best you could. You did the best you could. And you know what, if you got a do-over, you, you, with the knowledge you have now, you'd probably do it different. If you knew what was gonna happen, yeah, if you did that, you'd probably do it different, but there, there are no do-overs, all right? So my choices are: continue to live in fear, shame, and insecurity, and let what happened to me in my past continue to define and own my future, or I could have a conversation with myself and forgive myself like Jesus has forgiven me, let myself off the map and give myself some grace and hold on to what God said is true about me. And for the first time in my life, and I've been a pastor for almost 30 years, all right, for the first time in my life, I actually believe I'm a good man. I'm a good husband, I'm a good father, and I'm supposed to be leading this church. I actually believe that for the first time because until I did that, go back here, this broken quadrant of my life, and it's none of your business what broke my quadrant. There, all right, right? But I messed up. And it calls all the shots. And until I know who I am and who God says I am and who God says you are to me, this has a potential. You know, all all the time I I make this statement and people go, oh, you're just being pious. I'm not, I know. I've rehearsed this in my mind. I know that I am five minutes away from making one decision that could blow up my life. I am, I am, all right? I've rehearsed it in my mind. And it wouldn't be just if I just blew up my life. If I blow up my life, I take a lot of people down with me. I know that's really, really true. And until that broken quadrant comes back together and I know who I am and who I am to God and who God says I am, and I actually take hold of it, that broken quadrant will run my life and yours. We have a saying at Crucible goes like this. Big truth, big grace, little truth, little grace. That's worth putting on your refrigerator right there, right? Most of us are afraid of, of facing the big truth in our life because sometimes the big truth about us is it's really ugly, and really shameful, and we don't wanna talk about it, and we're really afraid that there's not enough grace to cover our big truth. So this is how most Christians live. We just put our toe in the the water of spirituality and say, Jesus died for my sins, I'm not not going to hell after I die, that's all I want, but our lives never change. We're saved, we're just a mess. I I like to say it like this, I'm going to heaven when I die, my life is just hell till I get there. And I want something better, is anybody else? An intentional apprenticeship is about, I'm gonna make a strategy for my life, and I'm gonna become a better person. And Jesus is gonna lead me down that path. Let me review and then we'll sing one song and get out of here, all right? The Lord is my shepherd. Say that with me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still. That's biblical authority. If I follow him, he will show me a better way to live. He restores my Relational intimacy, the blood of Jesus pays for my sins and mistakes and connects me back to God. And today, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Because what Jesus has done for me, it's now possible to become the same kind of person Jesus is. To become the man and the woman that you were meant to be, but sin ripped you off. God wants to give it back to you. Does anybody need that? I'm going to pray. And again, when I say I'm going to pray, I can't pray instead of you. But maybe I can give words for you to have a conversation with God that you needed to have for a long, long time. Time. So let's pray. All right. So, God, we come into this place right now, and before we go one step further, we need an event to happen in our life called forgiveness grace and mercy to be poured out on us and so in this moment God maybe we've never asked you for this before but will you let what Jesus did on a cross for for me 2,000 years ago count as payment for my sins and my mistakes will you take away my condemnation will you cover me with righteousness and will you come and live inside of me and will you save me in this moment from now on forever on into eternity and by grace through faith your answer will be yes My son's death counts for you and you are saved and I will never kick you out. I'll never abandon you. I'll never lead you. As a matter of fact, from this point on, I will lead you. And so that's the prayer for the rest of us. God, will you be our shepherd and our father and our friend? Will you guide us and lead us towards something right and good? And when we run into a wall, something that you didn't do, but we threw on you or blamed you, but something from our past that stands in the way of actually us believing I'm a good man and I can be a good husband. I can be a good father. I can be a good woman. I I can be a good person. I can be righteous. I can run after a a better life no matter what my past contains. My future is yours if you'll lead me. We ask you for that. Will you be our shepherd? Will you lead us? We need you, Jesus. We need your, your name. We need your blood. We need your forgiveness. And we need you to lead us towards righteousness. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.